Hey guys, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset. And before I get into this interview, this real deep dive with Neil Thakar, who is the creator of the Quantum Mind Stack, he's the man behind Filter Formulas. We have a great discussion, but I gotta apologize because the audio quality on my side really kind of took a hit after about 10 minutes into this interview. My audio quality is substandard. However, I resisted the temptation to do all of the talking in this interview, and Neil has some really great stuff to share, so I hope that you can bear through the the mediocre audio quality of my side of the recording in a lot of this podcast. It is because I was using this microphone, and this microphone, it has served me loyally for a long time, but I think I may have uh, dropped it in the Amazon River once or something like that, and it has reached the end of its microphone life. I have recently upgraded all my equipment so that I can deliver to you the best information with as pristine audiovisual quality as possible. Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and today I am going to be talking to a rather large man, Neil Picard. Hey, Neil, how are you doing today, brother? Good, man. How are you doing? Fantastic. And Neil is a fellow traveler and aficionado of all things performance enhancement related. He is he has a history as a competitive bodybuilder. He has about 16 years in that arena in that uh, arena of steel and metal. He is also a competitive Muay Thai fighter. Along with being a high-performance coach, he is the CEO of Filtered Formulas, who offers Quantum Mind. Uh, among other things, he was a Division One collegiate soccer player, along with a NASM ACE certified personal trainer. He was also featured in a Men's Health magazine article about nootropics, and he looks more or less like one of the characters in the movie 300. How are you doing today? <laughs> what an introduction, man. I, I, I have to say you probably win the title for best intro uh, ever. Um, so, so now that you've given that intro, I was doing well, and I'm doing even more well now. So uh, thank you so much for having me. I was pretty spot on too. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, what, did I get that correct? Is it 16 years that you've been doing bodybuilding? You know what? I, I, was, I would say working out and into fitness for about 20. Um, I was only bodybuilding for about seven years. So, but uh, that's all right. Aha. Uh -huh. How old are you? I'm 26, going on 36. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. And, you, but you're not active currently doing bodybuilding. I recreational will body, I will recreationally bodybuild, but I do not do shows anymore. No. Aha. Uh -huh. And what preempted that, that decision? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it's actually a very simple answer. Um, there's certain extremities of that lifestyle, um, which I did not advocate for. Um, I think the, the assumption is the, the, the use of, of, of drugs really in that case. Um, and although that I was not totally fond of that, um, the other part of it was the, the extreme dieting that was necessary. Um, to the point where where health was sacrificed, um, 
it, it was I, I realized that uh, because I had other ventures in my life, my entrepreneurial ventures, um, you know, and, and other things that I wanted to do with my life, that bodybuilding was definitely not in alignment with with my long term goals. So, uh, you know, do I still lift to get a pump and you know feel feel good about myself and and change my body composition? Yeah, um, but I definitely don't primarily focus on it at all. No. Aha. Here in Bulgaria, just recently, one of my wife's girlfriends uh, was competing in a bodybuilding show that we went to, you know, because we want to be good friends. We want to be supportive. And we got a little bit of, uh, you know, inside gossip on yeah. the Bulgarian uh, female bodybuilding scene. Yeah. And apparently it's just like a, a casting couch type of type of situation. Apparently it's it's not actually a meritocratic of a of, of a thing. Apparently it's it's just a situation where you uh, uh, if, if you want to get ahead, you want you need to sleep your way to the to the top. So it seems like it's uh, maybe not 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 really worth it unless you're uh, unless unless you get rich and unless that happens i don't i don't see much other justification for pursuing the bodybuilding thing uh competitively long term yeah no i mean so so i never want to uh you know, use an individual example to represent the whole bodybuilding community, although I'm sure that the political uh, spectrum does apply to some context. Uh, what degree? I'm not sure. Some people think it's it's completely that way. Some people think it, it's somewhat that way. Um, but yeah, in terms of, I would have to agree, in terms of your, your overall long-term health, um, you know, and, and how it aligns with other goals, it, it's, it's a hard lifestyle to do that. Um, you know, and, and as far as it being a meritocracy, I mean, it's, a, it's subjective in its nature as a sport. You know, um, that's another thing that makes it a very tough sport to judge and a tough sport to compete in. It's it's like because it's such a subjective basis, um, it's it's really hard to know what you have to do to even win, right? And that's uh, that's another challenge a lot of competitors have. Mm-hmm. And what proportion of competitive bodybuilders, in your experience, do you think use nootropics? <laughs> great question. Great, great question. Um, you know something? I, I think that a large majority of them use pre-workout supplementation with some form of nootropic or cognitive enhancing uh, ingredient uh, embedded into the formulation. Um, but as far as actively seeking out that that, that specific cognitive benefit that nootropics provide i don't think there's a very focused effort no pun intended there focused effort on um using nootropics uh to, to enhance performance not right now so i would say that probably almost all men who would be listening to this would be interested in putting on some muscle in getting a little bit bigger what what are you say what would you say are the the uh milestones or, or let's let's use a business phrase what what are like the key performance indicators that people should reach and uh you know you're a man i'm a man so that's kind of what we can speak to probably more authoritatively what are the milestones that you should try to reach in the gym in your fitness before you start using supplements 
or before you start getting aggressive using yeah. exercise workout supplements? <clears throat> totally. Yeah. It's a great question. It's a great question. Um, I want to say that I would like to apply the same logic towards building muscle, towards increasing strength, um, towards really any goal outside of the gym as well. I want to kind of use the same framework and say that you want to make sure you have the fundamentals down and that you've come to a close to a maximization point, maybe not fully the maximization point, but close to a maximization point without the use of exogenous compounds, whether it's a nootropic or whether it's a supplement, or if you really wanted to, if you were a competitor, even if it was to go the extracurriculars and use performance enhancing drugs, right? You would want to reach close to your natural max capacity that you can. What that is from person to person, it's hard to say obviously because it's based on so many different factors. Um, but one indicator is that if you've been going for two years, right, then there's a chance you're starting to approach that maximum capacity. Uh, and this is two years hard. And two years is kind of lowballing it too. Two years. Yeah, two, two, two years really hard. Once you've gone two years really hard of training, right, then you could consider using uh, an exogenous compound to, to help you. Um, that, that's, I know that, that's a little bit extreme, uh, but it's it's good to know where you're at. Is an exogenous compound any supplement, or would that be something like exogenous testosterone? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm talking more so about the latter. As far as any supplement is concerned, um, that's also a great question. It depends what the product is. At that point, it goes from an individual basis. Yeah. Okay, because I, when I settled here in... Bulgaria, I got quite a bit more serious about going to the gym. I was one of these digital nomad guys for quite a while that was wandering, vagabonding around different countries. And when I settled down here in this country and got married, I was like, okay, I need to start taking my fitness a whole lot more seriously. So I got a gym membership and I've been going pretty consistently for about a year now. I've been doing th two, two to four gym sessions a week. And I have to admit that I dove right into supplementation yeah. because I am a pharmacological novelty junkie. And I'm just, I'm always interested in trying some new supplement and seeing how it affects my performance in a particular domain. I think you're different because you're methodological about the way you approach these things, right? I was giving uh, basic rules of thumb, uh, right on dude. If, if you're, if you're methodological and you're able to like very, very singularly identify the effects and make sure that you write them down and record them, um, that's a completely different case. That's a very, very methodological, responsible way to experiment. And that, I'm totally cool with that. I think that's fantastic. I think everybody should do that actually. Okay. So this would be something like writing down the dosage and whatever you took before a particular gym session and then writing, then logging, whatever your lifts, logging, how much time you spent on the bike, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think, I think it's, it's very important to identify what your very specific fitness goals are. Right. And then why, you would take a particular supplement for that fitness goal. Does that make sense? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. frankly, I frankly I haven't done that. I my my fitness goals are just to I suppose they're to be a little bit stronger, to look a little bit better, to keep my uh, cardiovascular aerobic system uh, and to blow off stress. So my my goals are rather uh, rather nebulous. I don't have like a specific. Uh, a specific, you know, squat weight that I'm aiming for in six months. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you here a little bit, right? Because I I respect what you do so much, and and so I'm gonna take the same uh, paradigm that we all use uh, in in the context of nootropics and apply that to the fitness realm, right? Just like we experiment with doses and we figure out what the right sweet spot is for say increased verbal fluency right and we'll do 800 milligrams of aniracetam and 150 milligrams of alpha gpc right and if that doesn't work well for us we'll bump it up to maybe a thousand twice a day right you know mm-hmm. how it's a very very specific protocol to achieve a specific goal right fitness is no different so we say okay hold up so right now i'm squatting 155 or 200 whatever right and in six months i think it would be cool to squat 275 right when you're coming in, you have no context of what's realistic and what's not realistic. That's okay. That's fine. But you set a bit benchmark, right? And then as you start to work towards that bunch benchmark, you're like, holy shit, I'm actually understanding this process. And then you could reevaluate, reset your goals, and then identify what stimulus is needed from the training, from the supplementation, um, and from 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 the uh, from the diet and from the rest and all that that, that perspective. Um, but yeah, I think it's ideal to take that paradigm of reverse engineering your goals. Um, and then figure out what stimulus is necessary to hit that goal uh, in really any domain that you're in. And that definitely includes fitness as well. Um, and then one more thing, I actually see too many people being very vague with their fitness goals. And what ends up happening is that by focusing a lot on a bunch of different things, right? You said to me, you know, improve body composition, increase strength. And what sort of frequency and duration of workouts is most appropriate for a person who is yeah starting let's say they're they're rather new to the gym or they're a person that maybe they did a bunch of athletic things in high school but then it's been five ten years since they were a serious athlete what what sort of duration and frequency of time should they spend in the gym it's a great question that's actually a great question because it's it's contextualized well, um, and that's the situation for a lot of people. I was having this conversation with a, a, another coach uh, a couple of days ago, and the consensus is that we say intensity over volume. So, you know, you should be coming close to your max work effort, not completely there, but close to it. Meaning, you should be working as close to as hard as you can. Um, and so, if you're doing that. And coming to the back to the gym for the first time, four sessions, that's kind of heavy, three to four sessions, 45 minutes, you'd be fine, right? Because if you're crushing it for 45 minutes, you're getting a great workout, a great workout. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm doing, I'm doing, it's in between two to four workouts a week. And I usually do in between 60 to 90 minutes. And I'm about... Yeah, I'm about a year into being a regular a regular face around my local gym here. Am I am I spending a little bit too much time there? Do you think? Uh, for you specifically, no. I think I think sixty to seventy five would be good for you, right? Because now you're twelve months into training, 
right? So, so I think 60 to 75 would be good for you. As long as you're working during that 75 minute period, right? That's fine. Yeah, I'm not taking like 17 selfies. I'm no. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'd say for you. Okay, so mentioning, mentioning technology in the gym, I've always, I've always wanted to ask a, a real expert about this. Is it, okay, so I typically will listen to, I'll load up my smartphone with a couple of podcasts while I'm there at the gym, or I'll be listening to like audiobooks because I, I find that being at the gym is something where the, my, my it doesn't require a hundred percent of my attention, like doing this podcast interview does, or right. like, or like deprogramming a, a buggy website might, or uh, writing a book might. I find that being at the gym is something that maybe requires like 40% of my attention. So if there's a podcast about some subject that I really want to understand, I'll listen to it while I'm at the gym there. But I have some buddies that don't do that. I have some buddies that when they're at the gym, they have nothing else audio going on other than the uh, the obnoxious hip hop music that they play at the gym or the house music or or what or what have yeah. you yeah. is it do you do you get a much more meaningful workout if you don't bring your smartphone to it's the gym that's yeah that's another interesting question right and it's going to depend person to person so so my thing for you Jonathan is you're you're a nootropics you know a, a biohacking influencer Right, and you're pretty damn good at what you do, right? Thank so, you. you, you you're welcome, man. So, so your your value system is going to be very different than their value system, right? So, if you find that it works better for you to be listening to these podcasts, then by all means do it, right? And what I also say is that like during movement, our brains are actually more receptive to retaining information, as you know, right? <clears throat> that's how that's how we. We grew up. That's how we were born, right? You know, obviously, millions of years later, um, we're we're now in a different society. But but mm -hmm. we, we used, you know we did we didn't sit at desks and, and read books to learn. We we would walk around and we'd experiment. And so so the point is that the brain is a lot more receptive to, to attaining new information um, whilst in movement. So it might be an even more productive time for you, you know, in a different environment um, to be receiving this information, right? Now, what I will say is this: you just always have to go into the gym with a very specific intention. So, like for example. When I go to Muay Thai, I'm fully engaged because I don't want to get in the face. Also, I'm training for a fight. So that's something very important to me, right? Um, when I am doing a recreational bodybuilding lift, which I do once or twice a week, um, you know, and it, it's kind of contingent with my fighting plan. And then it's kind of just therapeutic for me because I still do enjoy lifting weights. Um, at that time, I'll listen to an audiobook, right? I'll get my Facebook Live out and, and record content to help people. So it's not super laser-like focused. Now, there's other times where I might not feel like fighting. Uh, but I do feel like bodybuilding, but I'm just fucking angry for that thing. So just, I don't know, I'm just angry for that thing. No worries. I just want to. I just want to get after it. And at that point, I'll stay laser like focused on my lift. So it all comes down to your value systems and what's important to you. Now, I will say this: if you are trying to increase your strength, right? This is purely increase your power output. Then you want to be lifting as close to your max maximum weight as possible. And at that point. You probably don't want to be listening to a podcast because you could get crushed by the bar and hurt, right? Um, if you really want to get focused on changing your body composition, 
right? Meaning get bigger lats, get a you know more full chest, get bigger biceps, right? You really have to focus on the contraction. Really focus on opening the muscle, closing the muscle, right? If you're trying to do that, you might want to really focus on the contraction, right? So the point is that there's always going to be trade-offs here. Um, but I can't sit and say that I would judge you for listening to information because that makes Sure. It just kind of depends upon what what your values are. You know, if I wanted to, if my objective was to appear appear on a stage, <laughs> then I would probably not want to be listening to listening to a bunch of podcasts. Can you tell us maybe like the top three to five things that people that people who are new in the gym do that they end up injuring themselves and they end up putting themselves back in their progress. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the latter part of that question, putting themselves back in the progress, um, injuring themselves, injuring themselves. I mean, I I can get into that too. Yeah, so injuring themselves is just just starting with too much from the onset and not being progressive. Um, you know, but usually people are able to, enough to listen to their body. But as far as what are kind of some we'll call them rookie mistakes that just don't create progress forward or even create create backwards progress. Um, the first thing is this, is doing cardio before you lift weights, okay? 96% of people I know go into the gym and do that, all right? And so the reason why this is bad is, is the following. So when you train, especially using weights, you're using an energy source called glycogen, right? It's a storage form of carbohydrates, right? Mm -hmm. By doing cardio before you hit the weights, you are depleting the glycogen and then you're going into a resistance training session with no fuel. Okay, so that's going to make the resistance training session very suboptimal. Now, if you flip the two, right, if you do the resistance training first when you're fully loaded with glycogen, right, and you deplete that glycogen, it gets sent into the muscles, it gets stored in the muscles. Well, now the only source of energy you have left is body fat. And so now when you go do the cardio, now you're going to be able to burn that body fat. So it's it's actually less marginal than it might seem, um, meaning that it's it's more significant than one would think to get that order correct. That's the first thing. Okay, the second thing is is nutrition in general. Um, your pre and post workout meal are very important, right? Um, at the end of the day, even if some may argue that you know ketones are a better source for the brain, better source of energy for the brain, um, carbohydrates are going to be the number one source for an athlete for performance, for athletic performance in the gym. So you want to make sure that you have adequate amounts of carbohydrates um, in your system before you go to the gym. Okay. Now, some will argue, but what if I'm on an intermittent fast? I say, well, if you're going to train, intermittent fasting might not be the best way if you need to train in the morning. Now, if you're going to train in the middle of the day, um, then intermittent fasting is fine, but that's that's another topic. But anyway. Um, I, I did that one time. I think I did a workout on a on an intermittent fast, and it wasn't very it wasn't very pleasant. I felt like I was one of those characters in a movie where they're crossing the Sahara and they're like starving. <laughs> Miserable. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. So, so yeah, you've experienced it yourself, unfortunately. So, so yeah, so that's, that's two is making sure you dial in your pre and post-workout meal. Um, the third biggest rookie mistake I think would be not placing in enough of an emphasis on recovery, on sleep. Um, 
Can I add it? Yeah, I'm going to keep a fourth one as well. A fourth one is going to be spending too much time in the gym. Too much volume for football intensity. Yeah. Okay. That might be the error that I'm committing at this point. <laughs> yep, totally. You, you think you're doing too much uh, too much uh, volume and not enough intensity? Yeah, possibly. Because I do know that I go in there and I usually have like a 90, a 60 to 90 minute chunk of information that I want to, that I want to consume. And then I usually, then I usually head home. So I should probably try, do, I should probably try doing a, a non smartphone trip to the gym where I don't, I, I remember one time I was, I was at a gym and I saw this guy come in and he made this this real scene. It was ra it was rather entertaining. He came in and he ripped off his jacket. He had his uh, his sports his uh, his sports his Nike jacket on, and then he ripped it off and he did like one of the most intense stretching sessions that I <laughs> that I've that I've ever seen. And then he went and hit the weights, and he was just uh, he was not taking any breaks. And yeah. he was, he, I think he was only in the gym for about 25 minutes and he was, uh, very, he was very red. <laughs> he, he left, he left the gym very red, but I thought about it. I was like, wow, that's, well, that, that's one way to do it. That guy probably got the same workout in 25 minutes that I do in an hour or more. Yeah, totally. hundred percent. You know, and, and, and so, so what's interesting about that is, uh, first of all, I love the vivid detail that you gave that story, and but but it's remarkable how memorable that is, um, that his presence did that. Um, <clears throat> the whole thing is like, if you're taking short rest times, and you're trying to change the way your body looks, building muscle, burning fat, your body is going to stay in what's called glycolysis, right? The process where you're 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 using glycogen as the primary energy source. That's where you want to be if you want to build muscle, burn fat. Every time you rest for too long. You come out of glycolysis. Aha. Right? What is the ideal interim? Great question. Uh, this is what I say, 45 seconds, or if you feel like the next set's quality is going to be greatly diminished, take another 15 to 20 if you have to. So like 60 seconds. So just like a minute. 40 to 60 seconds, try to stay closer to 40 unless, you know, you have to go to the 60. Try not to go beyond 60. So it's really not a very good habit when you see these guys that do their lifts and then they go and talk to the cute girl working behind the smoothie counter for three minutes in between doing their next set. It's highly suboptimal if they're trying to increase their, 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 their if they're trying to improve their body composition by increasing muscle mass. Okay. Now, there's another sport. It's called powerlifting, right? Those guys that want to improve power output. Okay. They want to train in what's called your ATP, phosphocreatine energy system, right? So that's going to be three, about three to 10 seconds. Okay. Your set duration should be about three to 10 seconds. And your, your um, workload should be close to the max weight that you can lift, right? So like if, you're, if your max bench press is say 300 pounds, um, you would want to do maybe two to three reps of 260 pounds, right, or 270 pounds, right, then take about three to five minutes of rest. That's a different energy system, a different mechanism of action, a different goal, right? And that's why you want to be crystal clear on what your goals are, right? Is it to build muscle, burn fat, 
or is it to increase strength? Those are two entirely different ways of training, entirely different ways of resting, entirely different ways of even dieting. Okay, so I wanted to tell you about the the four supplements that I'm use, that I'm using for my workouts and and get your views on them because the biohackers listening to this are we're all about we're all about the supplements we're all about yeah. the uh, molecular shortcuts that may be available to us so yeah I've got four things I'm using I started using Yohimbine which okay. was uh, I got I, I have a pharmaceutical grade source of Yohimbine. There's a company in Moscow, actually, which sends me, which which has a, a pharmaceutical grade version of Yohimbine, which I trust a little bit more because the supplement is just, it's just <coughs> these tablets of Yohimbine. It's not, it's not Yohimbine combined with 10 other things, which may right. or may not have a a predictable, uh, a predictable reaction to. So I'm doing Yohimbine. I'm doing, I'm not doing all of these. Okay. I think I have done them all at the same time, a couple times, but I'm do I'm AB testing them to see how I react to them. Yeah. Uh, Yohimbine, I do notice a power output boost from, of course. Have, have you used Yohimbine? Of course. Okay. Um, what do you, what do you think of it? Do you recommend I, I mean, I, it depends what you're using it for, but I think it's pretty awesome. Um, like you said, it, it's uh, it it will increase power output. We'll, we'll keep it simple. It will increase power output. Yes. Okay. Although I think the the Yohimbine that I have, I I'm gonna discontinue using it at the gym, and I think I'm just gonna use it as a sex hack going forward because you you can have some awesome sex. On, It'll keep going. Yeah. Uh, you, you can have some awesome sex on Yohimbine, and I think I like HMB more because okay. I do notice a a boost in the in my lifts, in my performance, in the amount of energy that I have with HMB, and it doesn't, as far as I know, the HMB doesn't increase those stress hormones, which I'm a, I'm a little bit concerned about that with with uh with yohimbine absolutely um and and hmb the i have a really good uh pure pharmaceutical grade source of it double wood supplements and it's a whole lot more affordable than than yohimbine i calculated out the cost per dosage and uh hmb is just is just economically a better option so i think i'm gonna keep i think i'm gonna you put the Yohimbine, you know, next to my velvet bag where I have all my uh, other, uh, <laughs> all my other pharmacological things for optimizing of a date night. And <laughs> I think I'll, I'll stick to the HMB. And then what, with HMB, I use a thousand milligrams of it. Does, does that seem pretty normal? Or is, is HMB something where you can get, get a little crazy with? dosage let me let me let me get back to you on that one i i'm very i'm very familiar with hmb but i i have to refresh myself if I'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna give you bullshit advice um i don't use it super commonly um maybe maybe i should i should with my my clients um but i'm gonna look into that i could just look over it for one second and i'll know exactly um how to give you guidance on it just because i'll know how it works with the other mechanisms but i don't want to guide you without being completely confident in that one 
Sure, sure. Maybe you'll want to look into it and publish a video on your YouTube channel. Yeah, about HMP, and then we can then we can send people to check that out because I uh, yeah you probably have a bit more insight on these yeah. mechanisms that affect power output than than I do because my domain has been uh, nootropic stuff for so long. Uh huh. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Other two. So, yep. Which is creatine and CBD. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so create. So creatine is is interesting. It's an interesting one. Honestly, dude, I am not so sure why people don't cycle it or use it. I think creatine is absolutely phenomenal, um, right? Because creatine is going to increase the rate at which cellular respiration is occurring, right? So, so by by expediting the rate by which that phosphate gets added onto that ADP, right, and to make the ATP during cell respiration, I mean, you're just making ATP quicker, right? But at the end of at the end of uh, cell respiration, if you remember, there's that electron transport chain, right? And so the H2O is being created, right? So if you're if you're increasing the rate at which you're going through cellular respiration, right? You're also going to increase the rate at which what builds up? Water, right? So I think that the objection that a lot of people, I'm not even sure, but I think the objection a lot of people have to creatine is that it's a lot of water weight. Well, yeah, you're going to increase your 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 water uptake, right? Because you're going through cell respiration faster. But the 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 physiological and the cognitive performance benefits that are resultant of creatine are, you just can't argue with them. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that's where I'm at with creatine. I think it's fantastic. CBD. Well, do you have any questions on that? Sure. You're using creatine monohydrate. I, from, from what I know, monohydrate is still uh, ideal. Yeah, that's, that's what, that's what I gathered. Do you have, do you have an opinion on whether or not CBD may cause you to lose your hair? Or uh, creatine may cause you to lose your hair. I couldn't. I couldn't see why that would be the case. There was a okay. My wife has been really concerned about this because my wife really, really, really loves my hair, <laughs> and she was googling creatine, and she came across. I think it was a study of of Spanish football footballers that were that were doing creatine and they found that it was causing some hair loss but it it wasn't that great of a it wasn't that great of a study however my wife has uh, forbade me from using more than four grams of creatine because she she really doesn't want me to lose lose my hair i love it it's it's like i care so much about you but i still want to be reasonable <laughs> like that's a winner right there. Okay, so I actually just did a quick Google search, and my theory was was correct from what the Google search says. Um, what the Google search is saying, and is that it would increase the, the the conversion of testosterone to DHT, right? And that's kind of what I was thinking because that's going to be the mechanism of action for hair loss. But unless you're predisposed to that, um, it doesn't matter. And, and to be honest with you, uh, if if creatine does happen to do this as a direct mechanism of action, it's only expediting an inevitable process as it is. That's the first thing, right? The second thing is, is that it, I, I'm going to assume that it's actually probably an indirect mechanism of action, right? Because of the increase of, of, um, of um, muscle cell development, you're probably going to increase testosterone. Mm -hmm. Because of that, 
the conversion to DHT may slightly be expedited. And then as a result of that, there would be hair loss. Um, this is just a theory, me working some things out of my head. So these are not facts. Um, but I, I just don't see the direct correlation between um, the direct correlation to, to be very specific between creatine and, and hair loss. No, I, I don't. I, I don't. I can't buy it. Sure. I would just suggest to people that if they are concerned about this, that they use ashwagandha, that they use a bit of ashwagandha. Because interestingly, ashwagandha has a effect of, I think, uh, preventing or perhaps reversing male pattern baldness. Oh. Because a lot of times uh, baldness is a downstream cause of uh, cortisol of just of just stress like the more stressed your body is it has a bit less capacity to you know to support the uh, <coughs> the uh, accoutrements of the uh, of the male aesthetic right 100%. 100%. so so I've, I've heard some research that says you know if you want to keep your hair looking good have some ash take some ashwagandha with some frequency so that's that's what i do on almost a nightly basis it's the truth, man. I mean, anything to lower cortisol is going to help you keep your hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of CBD, uh, things that lower cortisol, are you a regular user of CBD? I'm not. I would like to be. I'm just too lazy to go out and get it. That's literally what my logic is. Aha. But, okay, you've tried it. Oh, many times, many times. I took it, I took it yesterday. Uh, actually, I have a, a couple bottles of CBD right in my, my closet, but those are for sale. Um, but I probably could just take whip one open and take it myself. The point is, yes, I, I, I think CBD is great. I think CBD is great. I just have not been sold on it to the point where I've added it in regularly. You know what I mean? You, you know those supplements that you're – because we, we take so many – products throughout our, our entire life that there's some that we're like, oh, we must have, right? For me, it's my nootropics. I'm sure that's the case for you. Um, you know, uh, you know, for me, some of my other peptides, it's, I must have. And then CBD is one of those, huh, it would be great. I probably should start taking it, but, uh, it's over there and I don't feel like doing it. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, to me, the, the, the main selling points of CBD are that it seems to really empower awesome sleep. Sleep is amazing. Sleep is amazing on CBD. It seems to really lower lower stress quite a bit. It I, I do notice that at at the end of a work at the end of a long day when I've had a workout, I'll have a bit of soreness. There'll be a maybe a bit of lingering pain or discomfort from the workout, and the CBD seems to do a good job of alleviating that. And then importantly, it doesn't. The CBD itself doesn't have a, a, a habit-forming addiction uh, thing that might make me addicted to it the way that uh, nicotine or caffeine or any number of other uh, supplements that I enjoy can be really habit-forming. And then I have yet to notice, I've done CBD quite a few times now, and I've yet to notice any sort of uh, hangover from it. I've yet to notice a time where I seem to sleep really, really deeply, and then I seem to be really dragging the next day. I feel like I, I pop right up and out of bed and Dude, into the day. Dude, 100%. You feel better the next day. I so agree with that. I so agree with that. And also, I just want to say you completely sold me on it. I'm going to be starting to take it tonight. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. 
a lot of the fighters actually that I, I train with, um, they're super big on it, um, uh, especially the jiu-jitsu fighters, um, because their limbs are kind of like getting stretched in all sorts of directions. Um, oh, so yeah. that, yeah, the aches and pains associated with that, um, you know, CBD definitely seems to ameliorate those um, for them. So, so yeah, I, I don't, I, I do suggest it. I would suggest it. I think you're right on with taking it as a, as a performance enhancing, a uh, physical performance enhancing supplement for sure. So what, why, why are you doing Muay Thai? Why, why, why are you, why are you trying to kill yourself there? I'm definitely not trying to kill myself. Um, why am I doing Muay Thai? It's a great question. I love, I love martial arts. I've always loved martial arts. Um, never had a chance to actually get into it till now. Uh, and to be honest, I just need something to compete in for me to feel sane. Um, and like at the end of the day, like all of this, you know, filter formulas, Genesis nootropics, you know, metabolic CEO, like it's all rooted in, in performance that was inspired by training like an athlete. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know how it is. You have a direction, you have a goal, it just keeps you centered. Sure. I have a black belt in Taekwondo and a purple belt in karate, but it was, what, geez, probably about 15 years ago that I, that I attained those. And I, I, but I can say that there is something about facing another man in a sparring ring and, and fighting him that relieves stress and gives you a, gives you an outlet for something primal that it's, you can't find much else in life that equals that experience. I mean, you couldn't have said it better. It was, it's, it's so, it's so primal. It's so to your core as a biological creature. I mean, you hit it so spot on. It's the truth, you know, but you know, the coolest thing is, is, uh, it becomes a chess match. Once you've started doing it for a while, like when you get hit, like I'll smile now, like, because it was like somebody just played a really nice you know, uh, 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 during a chess game, it was their turn and they, they had a nice player, however, I don't know what it's called in chess, but you get it. It's a very tactical, it's a tactical game that you could really appreciate. Um, so although it is barbaric in that way, it's also very strategic. And I think that's, what's so fascinating to me about it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those few practices where your, your prefrontal, your prefrontal cortex, the, the human part of our brain, that little that little sliver of our brain that is closest to our forehead, from which all the uh, beauty and complexity and humanity and civilization flowers out of, it's it doing a martial art can be something that that trains a, a more synergistic relationship between that prefrontal cortex and between that part of our mind that has existed for millions and, and billions of years. That's a great analysis. That is a, a fantastic analysis. And I want to say that it's so crucial for us as humans to be able to do that in all domains of life. Right is to be able to take, take that decision-making rational brain and align it with that more intuitive animal, animalistic um, part of ourselves and really create that symbiosis so that we can both think things through and then flow through things as well. And when, I, when I get too cerebral because sometimes I think too much. 
going into Muay Thai, sir, mm-hmm. my martial arts instructor, he comes over and he kicks me in the leg as hard as I can. <laughs> and as soon as he kicks me in the leg, I get nice and relaxed because I'm like, okay, we're, we're flowing. We're not, we're not thinking. We're, this is not a chess game. Uh, I mean, it, it is, it is, but we're not, we're not trying to overthink everything, right? It just has to flow. It has to be, you know, like a, like an animal, you know? And you're taking nootropics before you go to the Muay Yeah. Absolutely. Which, uh, what are you taking typically? Uh, I mean, just like you, man, I, I love to experiment. So it really, really depends. Um, Every I have modafinil Monday, not a huge modafinil. Modafinil Monday. I and have then... modafinil, right? <laughs> it's because I trained for about two and a half hours on Mondays, specifically in three different sessions, um, and so that's going to give me that like drive. Um, you know, I, it's so interesting, right? Like when I take aniracetam or oxyracetam, um, it's not like profoundly different, but the experience is a little bit different, right? I'm definitely more relaxed than when I'm on modafinil, for example, less charged up. Oh, um, I bet. You know, it's it's more of a uh, yeah, just just you're you're a little more clear, right? It's these super subtle marginal differences. Your 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 verbal fluency is more clear. Perhaps I can see the pads a little bit more clearly. Um, you know, my reaction time is is maybe slightly faster. And I'm using these these t- terms like maybe and perhaps because it it is truly marginal. It's not the focus, but it is pretty damn cool to see how your your performance is affected by these compounds for sure. So you. My research, I, I looked at some studies on modafinil where they were finding that modafinil did have a distinct effect on motor, on motor control and on the, and on, on body kinesthetic control, which kind of stand out amongst nootropics. But, but in your experience, are you saying modafinil is not quite ideal for Mutang? It's... It puts me on edge, modafinil. Mm-hmm. Um, so to get as relaxed as possible, it's tough. Um, that is a more qualitative analysis. But even though I may not necessarily feel relaxed, my performance is definitely better depending on the context. Like if I'm sparring, my performance is probably better on modafinil, definitely better on modafinil, right? If I'm trying to learn a new technique, Right. Even though the study might say that my motor skills would be would be optimized with modafinil, you have to stay relaxed. You can't get frustrated with yourself. You can't get overly cerebral. Right. If I'm trying to, you know, learn how to do a, a flying elbow, or if I'm practicing, I'm drilling it. You have to be more loose. You know what I'm saying? So it depends on the experience that the the class has to offer. But if it's straight sparring, you're just trying to kill somebody else. Um, you're you you know, modafinil is, is going to be an advantage for sure. Yeah. I can imagine modafinil being not good. I've done, okay, I haven't been in a martial arts classroom for a long time because frankly, I'm just concerned about getting, being injured. <laughs> I, I, want to, I, I want to avoid that. But I did take several like salsa Latin style Ooh. dance classes nice. when on days when I had been on modafinil, I had taken modafinil in the morning and then I had a, a class at, I don't know, six or seven or 8 p.m. in the evening. And I didn't find modafinil that helpful for learning. Yeah, especially for learning something like Latin dancing, because it's just, it's so easy on modafinil to get into a 
uh, metacognition mode where you become your own um, over analytical uh, therapist in your own head and you're doing just all this thinking about your thinking and all this analyzing upon analyzing of what you're worrying about why am I worried about this when especially in a in something like a salsa class you really want to be just going with the flow and you want to be, you know, in a yin yang type interaction with whoever you're dancing with. I, I find modafinil to be pretty counterintuitive to that. Yes. Yes. Okay. It reminded me of something I do. It's called moditation. Just made that up. Moditation. Okay. Yes. Okay. I take modafinil and then as soon as I take it, I start meditating. So that by the time after about, so I meditate about an hour a day, you know. So, an hour? Yes, yes. Really? Yes, 60 minutes so a day. That's quite a while. Yes, yes. Um, and so the second I get out of my meditation, the modafinil is kicking in, but I've just done a practice that has forced me to stay relaxed. So I get the, 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 the prefrontal cortex benefits of the modafinil, the very, very analytical, um, the way you said it is thinking about what you're thinking about. It's the truth, man. Um, in alignment with a very zen-like practice that has centered me and taken all the the away um and it's a pretty nice symbiosis i can see how it would be great to really get yourself get all of those like stress hormones turned down when you're when you're on modafinil because sometimes there's a yeah there's an inclination to say this this little tablet cost me three or four bucks or however much. I need to get my maximum economic productivity out of every single minute that I'm on this stuff and drop a modafinil tablet at 6 a.m. or whatever, and then just jump onto your email and begin to take on take on the monsters that lurk in, in one's email inbox. But I can see how with doing that kind of meditation, that also probably provide that also puts you into a, a state of clarity when you're going into your your day, when you're going to have those powers of enhanced cognition. Totally. 100%. I mean, yeah, that's spot on. That's what it is. You know, um, it's funny how we try to ration our, our supplementation. Like, all right, I, it, this is, it's working right now, so I can't waste it. It's like, dude, relax. <laughs> and do you ever combine modafinil with quantum mind? Yes. Really? Yes, not wise. <laughs> that seems like just a bit too much stimulation. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but you know, I, I do have the the two two businesses working on the third one and the uh, fight, so the days are long, which is probably not great justification. Um, so yeah, but I'm not going to sit here in line and say I don't do it. Um, I would take I would take like on on a on a day where I know I got to just go for 18 hours or so, I would take a, a I would probably take an armodafinil in the morning with two to three capsules of uh, quantum mind. And then about six to eight hours later, I'd take two to three quantum minds. But not, not something we'd recommend to, to anyone. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Unless they're like really big and they have a decent stimulant tolerance and they need to go. Like if you're going to do that, I would say go half a modafinil at most and then go two to three capsules of quantum mind at most. Um, but like I said, this is the extreme recommendation. Uh, I don't fully recommend people do it, and uh, it's slightly irresponsible. But uh, 
life of the startup founder, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it comes with the territory. You'll sleep when you're dead. I suppose. I suppose. Yeah, and it's not. This is not an everyday thing. By no so, way. I did an interview. I, I did not an interview. An infographic that I'd urge everyone to check out. And the title of the infographic is Modafinil is problematic. And I have so many people that ask me about modafinil. Some, somehow, modafinil as a drug just kind of became known as something that might be like NZT48. And it seems like the internet has boundless curiosity about modafinil. And I have a number of, uh, a number of beefs with modafinil. There's a number of things that I dislike about it. Um, and I, I, however, I do use modafinil. Oh, I probably use it once or twice a month because okay. often, often I just have, often I just have some, I, I just have better, uh, nootropic options than modafinil. Sure. And I, I don't really, one of the things that's, that's changed my modafinil consumption is getting married because when you're, when you're a single guy, your your commitment is really just to often often it's it's just to do working on your entrepreneurial stuff or working on your career or working on mastering whatever it is that you want to master but modafinil does have this this undeniable effect on personality that modafinil will turn you into Someone who is kind of like a uh, a character out of an Ayn Rand novel who is practicing all forty eight laws of power from Robert Greene's book. It's it's gonna make you just a bit more of a Patrick Bateman esque sociopathic kind of character, and that that can be great. You know, we we live in a world that uh, does reward those types of personality traits. Um, it can also punish those types of personality traits if you if you overdo it. But I find that being married, I want to have like an hour at the end, an hour or two at the end of the day to like relax with my wife and laugh about things. And modafinil, it has that half life where it stays it stays active in your system for so long that even if it's been. Uh, 14 hours since you dropped the modafinil, even if you passed that performance cognition enhancement uh, uh, hump that it gives you, you're still going to be in kind of this this bored drone type of mindset, and you're just you're just not going to be connecting with your loved ones very much. Yes, it, it's uh, that's so true, and it's very easy to miss that and think that you're being yourself. But it definitely eliminates all elements of playfulness from your personality. And I think that's very fundamental, fundamentally critical, right? And I think that for anybody listening to what your description was, whose argument would be like, yeah, but whatever, I'm just trying to be productive. I'm just trying to be successful, right? Um, first of all, like not connecting to your loved ones, your friends, the people around you, like that's just not cool. Like you're just not cool if that's the case. Like, I just don't. Yeah. Like, what's the point of life? <laughs> what, right? what are we even here for? That That's the first thing. The second thing is in the name of success, like what has really helped 
the filtered formulas brand and, um, you know, me as a, a health coach, um, has been my uh, ability to really understand my customer and really genuinely enjoy speaking to my customer. Right. And so I'm not going to mention any other names of any other brands, but some of the brands in this nootropic space and the supplement space in general, but particularly the nootropic space, I've noticed they don't have that close intimacy with their customer. Okay. And what ends up happening is when you have that distance, you don't truly understand their pains and what they're, what they're actually experiencing. So you can't create your product development can't be geared and tailored to serve those customers. Right. And so I'm not saying that the founders of these companies are on too much modafinil. It's kind of just more of a paradigm of a point, but modafinil is definitely something that will put a distance between you and other people and making a genuine connection. And so the point is, it's like even in the name of success, modafinil can be destructive. Because it doesn't give me that human element that you need. Yes, modafinil. It is. It is the. It is like the dark side. It is like the dark side. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. It can be, it can be, it can be wielded, but boy, boy, there's a lot of downsides. One of the, okay, the main thing that made Quantum Mind stand out to me, which is your product, your nootropic product that I suggest people, people check out. I will link to it below wherever you're listening to this podcast that made it stand out to me was the COAs, the certificates of analysis because I'm, which you, which uh, I emailed you and you sent them right over to me very, very promptly. And I'm reading this book right now. I'm going to publish a book review of it maybe in, maybe in like a month. It'll probably take me a month to read this book because it's, it's really dense, but it's this uh, book with this, that's written by this guy who has a laboratory where they do a spectroscopic analysis uh, with the ICPMS, uh, where they are looking at the, the molecular structure of different supplements. And the book is just, the book is talking all about just the catastrophic levels of heavy metal toxins that are found in so many different supplements that are out there. And it's it, it's it's uh, it's one of those things that's red pilling, as people say. It's yeah. it's really pretty disappointing to find out that there will be there will be like some of these supplements that you, you probably see on the shelves at like Walmart yeah. or you can find them even on Amazon will have like thousands of parts per million of lead or mercury in them. Right. And uh, the and, and in the book, I'm going to interview this author at some point because I think his he's done all these different studies of different uh, or spectroscopic analysis of different supplements. And sometimes, yeah, they have these like levels of poison in them that are that are really scary. But I don't think I, I think the economic realities of just of susceptibility to lawsuits makes it so that he doesn't want to go out and start a fight with every single supplement company that is using, that is using bad supplies. And so when, when, 
when I see a supplement, whether it's something that I see for sale at a store or whether it's something I see online, when I see a supplement and they don't make their COAs readily available, I, I just assume that these are ingredients that probably came from a factory that is like downwind of like a ammunition uh, factory located in some province in, in China, because it seems like heavy metal contamination is just, is just such a universal um, issue. And uh, looking at the COAs you sent me, the heavy metals that, that are present in quantum mine are well within the the ranges that are actually that are actually acceptable yeah man well i appreciate you noticing that um it, it's not a matter of me going through the supply chain that's actually my next step it's a matter of me finding the right manufacturers and vetting the shit out of them like just making sure that you knew who they were now one of the things that i made sure to do is i made sure to go and visit and uh, I had a conversation with the CEO of the manufacturer, um, the, the, you know, the CMO, chief marketing officer, uh, the head of quality control, the creative director. Um, yeah, I made sure to have conversations with all of those just to see what, uh, what they were about and, uh, you know, check out the facility and see how the manufacturing process is done. Um, that, that gives you comfort as a founder, if you care, which, I, you know, I care. I hope other founders care. And, uh, and you know, then then you make sure you look at your numbers and make sure that the the COAs indicate exactly what you're looking for. You know, I, I don't think many founders even look at their COAs to be honest with you. Yeah, there's kind of been this trend. I learned about the importance of COAs. I think about six years ago, and I remember at the time I went and emailed every person I could find in the nootropics industry, every vendor I could find, asking them about their COAs. And disturbingly, almost nobody would give me, would show me their COAs. I think it was uh, Peak Nootropics, who sells uh, different powders. They yeah. sent them right over, and that was the beginning of a, of a great relationship I've had with them. But right. other than that, I emailed almost every, I think everybody else that you would have heard of. And none of them were willing to send me their COAs. Uh -huh. And so when you when you see products that are for sale for like twenty nine dollars or twenty seven dollars or thirty seven dollars, it's I urge people to make sure that they're checking out the the spectroscopy reports before they consume those sort of things because at at, at price points that are below like fifty dollars, I just think it's really hard to make a a ethical product that's toxin free yeah yeah i would agree i would agree um i've priced quad divine way too low i'm just saying <laughs> um, my margins are getting eaten into because it is a comprehensive formula and everything that i've said is in there is in there with the purity that that we've stated um but yeah i i could not agree with you more than that uh, on that couldn't agree more and what if, okay let's talk about quantum mind a bit i have not yet tried it thanks to the uh thanks to the professionalism of the international shipping system unfortunately my quantum mind is uh, i'm hoping that someone else is enjoying it right now i'm hoping that a uh, employee of some post office somewhere in between uh bulgaria and uh i think you're in new jersey are you new in jersey, jersey baby. yes I'm hoping that a, a post office employee is, is enjoying is enjoying my bottle as, yeah. as we're speaking. 
what is the uh, what is the dosage protocol for quantum mind for people that would be starting with it? Yeah, so it's it's six capsules through the day, three capsules in the morning, three capsules uh, about four hours later. Um, that's what's on the bottle, but. I've had quite a few people who've had success with less. And we have to keep in mind, I'm 220 pounds, so that's a great protocol for me um, and for other experienced nootropics users. So um, the success in terms of acute effects has been at the dosages of either one and one capsule if you're tiny, two and two if you're not tiny and more experienced, three and three for the more experienced nootropics users. And that's capsules. Okay, so six capsules throughout the day and that is a total of 300 milligrams of caffeine yes right okay so for comparison's sake because different people have different levels of caffeine sensitivity i believe a single cup like a your average cup of coffee is about 60 milligrams of caffeine is that right i think it's a little more I, okay. I think, yeah. So I use a large, so a large Dunkin' Donuts coffee is 300 milligrams of caffeine. So that's wow. to give context. Yep. So let's see, caffeine. Caffeine, eight ounces. Eight ounces. Coffee, I think it's 96. It's 91. So in eight ounces of coffee, there's 91 milligrams. Okay. So the supplement is the, for the for those who are caffeine stimulant sensitive, <laughs> it's the equivalent of uh, about three cups of coffee. Yes. Three small cups. Yes. The eight ounces. Yeah. So, so people would want to, <laughs> if you don't take, a, if you don't drink a lot of coffee, you, you probably want to start drinking a little bit of coffee before your quantum mind package arrives. If you, if, <laughs> if, if, if you're don't quite have that that tolerance that uh, if you're not quite used to consuming that much caffeine. Right. Which that's that's if you take all six. That's why I say, you know, a lot of people, they, they're better with, they, they do better with two and two, right? Because now you're talking 200 milligrams, which is slightly more than two cups of coffee through the day. So it'd be one cup of coffee in the morning and then about one cup of coffee about four hours later if you went two and two. Mm-hmm. And so. the... Okay, so, and it does also contain bioparine, which is, bioparine's an interesting thing. It's a derivative of pepper. Uh, everybody probably knows that if you're going to have some turmeric or curcumin, you want to add a little bit of pepper to it to increase the bioavailability. And bioparine does the same thing with I'm curious if bioparine increases bioavailability of, of everything or if it's just specific nutrients. Mostly everything. Mostly everything. Aha. Boy, you know what would be interesting is to get some bioparine alone and just take to isolate caffeine and bioparine and see – because – uh, I know I have a really good idea of what to expect from a specific quantity of coffee. You know, caffeine has this pretty, pretty consistent effect. Right. And I'd love to, I'd love to use, I'd love to take like 10 milligrams or 20 milligrams of bioparine. Um, and then just don't do any other nootropics, just do some coffee and see 
if it's like, see if it's like a, a wow, a wow effect, see if it's like a, a doubling or a, or a 50% more effect from the caffeine, or if it's something, or if it's a negligible uptick in the caffeine stimulation. Yeah. It's a fascinating idea. It's definitely a fascinating idea. I mean, I don't think we've ever, you know, most people don't question, um, what that actual effect is of absorption, right? So to actually see what it actually means in context by isolating it with an individual ingredient, it's a cool idea for sure. Okay, so how long have you been taking nootropics? Five years. Wow. And what what got you started? What or what what uh, inspired you? What intrigued you in the first place? And then what was like the first thing that you tried that had an uh, an effect that was the uh, initial chapter of of a long term romance? <laughs> well said. Um, so I, after my soccer career ended, I uh, started to to experiment with things I should not have. So I actually got addicted to Adderall. Um, I had to go to rehab. What? Got help uh, to Adderall. 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 Okay. Yes. Okay. So this was seven ish, six six seven years ago. Okay. Um, got clean. You know, tr- really transformed my whole life since then. Um, but through my my period with Adderall, you know, I I uh, had a fascination with cognitive enhancement. And really, since I was younger as an athlete, always had a fascination with performance and enhancing performance. Um, so when I when I got clean and when I went through this this you know went through went through my journey, um I started experimenting with nootropics because they were far less addictive, far safer. Um and uh yeah I just became obsessed with uh with improving cognition safely. And that's actually what inspired me to make quantum mind. And have you what are some of the more interesting customer experiences with quantum mind? Yeah. I'm gonna go back to the first question you asked what was my first one first nootropic I took? Prostagram it was Paracetam, that was. Um, I loved it. I love Paracetam. I, I really loved it. And then from there, I started experimenting with the other racetams. Um, and Oxyracetam, probably to this day, has become my go-to nootropic. I don't want to say favorite, but my go-to. Um, I really love Oxyracetam. I like Phenoparacetam quite a bit, too. Tolerance builds up. Uh, I've been toying with Fulloracetam, Fasoracetam more so recently. Um, and uh, I'm going to be trying Atomax very soon. Is Atomax a peptide? It's a peptide. It's like a more more powerful version, more potent version of C-Max. Aha. I did try C-Max, and I was a bit underwhelmed by it compared with something like Paracetam. For sure. For sure. Um, I, I, can, I can see why. Do you like Pepto? Mm, I've used it quite a bit, and it can stack. It can stack nicely. I, I, I like the, it has that interesting BDNF me- mechanism, which I think is notable for people that want to learn new skills. It's a, one of these things that underlies neuroplasticity and the growth of new synapses. But I don't really find Nupept stimulating in the way that paracetam is. It's, it's funny. I knew you were going to say that. And I think that's why uh, CMAX doesn't quite do it for you either. Mm-hmm. Right, relatively similar in uh, in how they work. Yeah, that would be that'd be something I'd be interested in hearing people from maybe in the comments if there's people that have tried both CMAX and Nupept and if they were consistently either 
underwhelmed or impressed by those two. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I know uh, in our community, uh, Bam Kovacs, um, that, that's the name on Facebook, at least. He's fascinated with uh, C-Max and, and uh, New Pep. Um, he, he would be a great person to talk more, more about that with him, for sure. But yeah, so, and then uh, next question. Um, yeah, what are some of the interesting subjective effects or some of the things people are telling you happen after they've been using Quantum Mind for more of an extended period, like after a couple of months. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. It's the same report, really. It's people just feel like they're getting more done because they get uh, this alertness that's certainly more powerful than coffee. Um, but it's it's very very relaxed, right? And and it, that's very intentional because um, the the uh, ingredients in it have uh, there's a lot of adaptogenic ingredients in it, right? There's there's uh, ingredients that will lower cortisol levels and and help with the relaxation. Um, but yeah, I mean, people just report, uh, increased clarity, uh, uh, very, very clear sense of energy. Um, you know, uh, improved alertness, improved focus for sustained periods of time. Um, and it's pretty universal. I mean, I, I get very, very, very few people who ex uh, experience negative effects or people who don't feel anything at all. The 99% of people say that they, they feel fantastic in, in those, in those regards, focus, energy, clarity. Uh, productivity gone up. And what sort of cycling strategies do you employ? Yeah, I go either five days on, two days off, or I go three weeks on, one week off. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been using Quantum Mind yourself? It came out on August 1st of last year. Um, I use it pretty consistently with the protocol that I, I've told you, you know, three weeks on, one week's off. Uh, I can, I can get a little bit undisciplined about that. Um, sometime, like, like right now, I'm trying to stay off it for about a month for two reasons. One is because I'm trying to formulate my next product, so I don't want to have any interruptions uh, as far as identifying the impacts of ingredients. Um, two, I'm making my own racetam log. Um, and three, I just want to reset my tolerance to to um, to quantum mind and just want to take some time off. But the point is, uh, it came out on August first of two thousand eighteen, and basically from August first to August first of this year, I have been using it consistently um, three weeks on, one week off. Yeah, that seems like a pretty a pretty a, a generally good strategy for a nootropic stack because the, the the body is always searching for some sort of a level of homeostasis right. and if your if your body grows to expect a particular nutrient like you you take something like shilaji and shilaji is like this this really fascinating adaptogen it's Love. it's one of these it's one of these things that it, when you think about the grand scope of uh, human history how fortunate we are to to be able to consume shilaji uh, right. if it with just the you know the click of a button right. on amazon you know it's one of those things that in the past something like shilaji was probably it was probably not available to peasants you, you probably had to be quite the aristocrat to right. even be able to afford uh, to be able to get your hands on on shilaji so the the body if you start if you give your body a lot of shilaji consistently 
it's going to say, oh, there's, there's an abundance of this thing, so I don't need to use it quite as much. And you're going to get this diminishing, diminishing returns from it. But if you, if you change things up on your body a bit and you give your body some breaks from, from a given supplement, then you're going to, you're going to maintain an optimal level of utilization of something which is evolutionarily probably a bit a bit novel to your body something where essentially your body is saying like wow like we've won the lottery by by getting this rare uh, nutraceutical molecule totally totally yep i mean it's 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 the truth uh, uh i love how you're able to express gratitude to that notion and uh as a nootropics community just as a community in general, I think we have to uh, we have to pay our respect or our gratitude to the fact that we have access to these fantastic ingredients that will optimize our overall health and our performance for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it really is a special moment of history that we were so fortunate to to be born into. Right. Where we have this much fantastic nutrition and knowledge that's available to us. And there's also, there's, there's something of a, uh, there's something of a, of a requisite duty, I think, to try to proliferate and use that knowledge so that future generations can, can be empowered by it. It's kind of, you think about, uh, you know, you think about throughout history and you think of throughout history, all these uh, great people that were part of this fight for human liberty and part of this fight for human rights and civilization and a, and a world that was a bit more compassionate. And you think about, you know, that you think about that, 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 the gratefulness that we should have, that we don't have to live in, you know, a, that we don't have to live in uh, a, a terrible barbaric society. Right. And similarly, our generation, sometimes we can feel disappointed that we don't have like a continent that we can go out there and, and explore. But we have a, a significantly greater freedom and liberty uh, that we can hopefully pass on to future generations, which is to, uh, which is to liberate future generations of humans from the tyranny of really awful health and disease and sickness that deprives, that deprives us of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Um, you know, there are spaces like nutrition, for example, that have just barely, we've barely started to scratch the surface, right? Another one that you and I are both part of the pioneering of is nootropics, right? I think that's super, super exciting. And we could go through just so many different spaces that exist, um, but we'll stick to what, what's within health, particularly us. I mean, it's a cool responsibility that you, myself, and, and all of our, our, our close peers in the nootropics community have in, in helping bringing these amazing compounds to to the mainstream you know bringing bringing the the right information and the right the right compounds um out so that everybody has access to them and so that it can improve improve the lives of of, of millions of people amen brother what's what's up next for filtered formulas yes so uh quantum mind non-stim 
will be coming out. Uh, I don't have quite the date of that just yet. Um, we have a sleep aid coming out. Uh, right now, it's called Transcend. Um, there might be a whole rebranding. I might actually completely change filter formulas to to the quantum brand or something of that sort. Just saying. Um, yeah, yes, it's a it's a good idea. You might get sued by like a guy who's a uh, who's like a cult leader who has quantum quantum something copyrighted though. <laughs> I'll have to do my research for sure. <laughs> so <laughs> so there's that. Um, and yeah, so 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 we have the sleep aid coming out, and then uh, I don't want to get too too into uh, specifics, but I have a uh, anti-aging product that will be coming out as well. So Quantumine non-stim, a sleep aid, an anti-aging product, and um, after that, I'll give one more. It's it's going to be a racetam-based nootropic formulation uh, after the the anti-aging and sleep. Um, so there's that in terms of product development formulation. Uh, I'm also working on Genesis Nootropics, which is a raw ingredient supplier of nootropics. Um, so, you know, uh, I know a lot of you guys go different places uh, to get your, your uh, raw ingredients. Uh, I have uh, my own raw ingredient company coming out as well. So. Genesis.com? Yes. Does not, that, that does not exist yet. But So if someone wants to steal it from me, go ahead and be a jackass. But <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Okay, fantastic. Well, I will urge everyone listening to go and check out the infographic that I did where I was drawing a comparison between Quantum Mind and Modafinil. And I would say that that infographic is really worth sharing with anybody you know who uses modafinil because I I, I do kind of run into a lot of these guys. I'll even I'll even meet these guys just randomly like out in the world. Like I'll I'll meet them at a party or whatever. I'll, I'll meet these guys that are. Uh, some type of ambitious professional or or entrepreneur yep. and they use a lot of modafinil and essentially they they see modafinil as like an alternative to uh the the cocaine that uh, the Wolf of Wall Street would use right. there in his in, in his really high performance uh in his really high performance company that he started and I, I, I want, I created this infographic so that we can concisely, you know, show people what the potential downside is of modafinil and that it might not be something that you want to totally get rid of, that it is kind of something like the dark side, that if you're, as a biohacker, if you have enough discipline, if you have enough uh, self-knowledge that you can probably dabble just a little bit with the dark side, but you want to balance it out with more holistic kind of things, which I discussed in that, uh, in that article. So I suggest that people check that out and then also check out Neil on, uh, on Instagram. I actually like your Instagram because it's, it's inspirational, but it's not too stimulating of jealousy. Right. Interesting. Interesting. I, I stopped on Instagram, you know, like everybody else, I, I joined Instagram and then I started like following like hot chicks and people that had really colorful cars that they took right. a lot of photos of. And then I just realized that it's, it, it's this tremendous technology for stimulating, for stimulating distraction and and jealousy. So I stopped following everyone that was like 
yeah, that was doing a lot of photos of, of hot chicks and like ridiculous travel and things that they probably don't actually own. Right. And I, I just follow a couple people that uh, post like inspirational stuff that uh, post personal development related type stuff and and post uh, science related stuff. So people will wanna will wanna check you out because it really is uh, impressive the the physique that you built. I appreciate that, man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. The Quantum CEOs on Instagram. If they want to find me on Facebook too, I post a lot on there as well. Legal notices. If you or someone you know developed or created a concept, piece of content, or idea shared on this show, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com so we can mention them in the show notes or provide a backlink. We want to give credit where credit is due. As a listener to the Limitless Mindset podcast, we hope you have and practice common sense. However, since some of the content covered in this show deals with subjects of a health, legal, or business nature, this show is for entertainment purposes. If you need recommendations of doctors, nutritionists, or attorneys to consult before making decisions that may have health or legal repercussions, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com.